speaking, it was done. Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. The epistle is from Romans chapter 12. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly, never be conceited. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of Jesus, amen. We are picky. Yes, we are picky. We're also choosy. We're picky and choosy when it comes to extending love to those around us. For example, it is easy to love someone that loves us in the first place. It is also easy to love someone that gives us good things. So it makes sense that you can find a lot of love in a church. Yes, in a church. Christians possess in a church the same faith. And when they possess that same faith, they often become a loving church family. Yes, a loving church family where Christians try to put each other first. It's actually not uncommon within the church to see Christians trying to play second fiddle, as they say. Yes, second fiddle, lifting each other up, as if there's some sort of competition to see who can outdo each other in showing honor to one another. Like it has already been stated, yes, as it has already been stated, it is easy to love someone that loves us in the first place. It is easy to love someone that gives us good things. However, what about loving those who do not give us good things? How about loving those who perhaps persecute us? Yes, those outside the church, those who are against the church. How about loving those people? Well, in Romans 12 this morning, we hear from the Apostle Paul in our epistle reading from today, And he tells you and he tells me not only to love Christians inside the church, but then he directs you and me to love those outside the church, to love and to pray and to bless those who are our enemies. Yes, he calls you and me to love our enemies, to love those who persecute and hurt us. Now, just to make sure we are clear with who our enemies are, it is important to understand the original audience that Paul was writing to in our epistle from Romans. 
Paul was writing to Christians in the city of Rome some 2,000 years ago. And these Roman Christians, well, they had a government that would often suppress unofficial religions like Christianity. That's to say, the Roman Christians, those Christians in Rome, would often experience prejudice and unfair treatment by the Roman state. During that first century, Christians were banished by the state and even executed for their faith. We all know the story, or maybe perhaps heard the story of that Emperor Nero setting, yes, setting the city of Rome ablaze with light, with burning Christians on crucif- crucified on crosses. And so Paul is telling the Christians in Rome, yes, in Rome, to not only put up with that Roman state, but to love the oppressive Roman rulers. Yes, to love oppressive Roman rulers. For example, if a magistrate spoke poorly about the Christian faith, well, that magistrate, he deserves love from a Christian. If a ruler harasses a Christian and throws them in jail, well, Christians are to bless the ruler, to pray to God on behalf of that ruler. Now, does this mean that we Christians are to be a bunch of wimpy and powerless doormats letting everyone walk all over us? No, by no means. By no means, my friend. These readings from the Epistle of Romans, the 12th chapter, is not condemning self-defense or telling us that we should not be as wise as a serpent with respect to our enemies. Loving and blessing an enemy is not the same as being an ignorant, foolish doormat, allowing ongoing abuse and violence upon oneself. Furthermore, loving and blessing an enemy is not the same as agreeing with an enemy, To love an enemy is not the same as endorsing their actions or endorsing their agenda or agreeing with their ideology. Now, I don't have to tell you that we have really messed this all up. We have really messed all this up in America right now. Sure, we are good at loving those who are part of our own political tribe, that is for sure. However, perhaps the greatest sin, according to our culture, right now, is to show love to one's enemy. It is viewed as an act of betrayal or an endorsement of an enemy. We certainly do not have much mercy for those who are different from us right now, no doubt about it. Right now in America, we are messing this up badly. But no matter how much persecution arises from our enemies... No matter how unbearable the heights of the persecution, we must never stop wishing our enemies wellness. We must never stop loving our enemies. Hear this loud and clear. Right now, open your ears. Hear this loud and clear. We understand that love is showing kindness to those who are our friends. And we understand that love is often expressed by not returning an evil action to those who have done evil to us. However, this is not all that the Apostle Paul has to share about love for us today. It is not all what Jesus has to say about love either. God's word tells us that we are to love and bless our enemies to pray for our enemies, and to wish them happiness. Now, if you are like me, you must confess right now that this does not feel right. It doesn't feel right. You see, I find it easy to love my friends 
It is, indeed. It is easy to love those who give things to you. It is easy to love those friends. It is also easy to show love to a certain extent by not getting even with an enemy. There's a certain amount of willpower you can have to hold back retribution towards an enemy. But to love and to bless my enemy, my friends, my sinful old Adam cannot stand this idea. I hate this idea. Deep down, my old Adam, this sinful nature, and get this, your sinful nature as well, this old Adam, wants destruction of our enemies. We want the damnation of our enemies. You see, anger comes about, and it gets the best of us, and we rage with bitterness towards our enemies. We, even, we can even envision, we can envision their destruction as they're taken apart in a thousand pieces. Who doesn't like to watch a movie, a good old movie, where the villain gets what's coming to him? When enemies get what is coming for them, wow, we chuckle with sinful delight. We are happy when our enemies are destroyed. But why? Well, dear friends, we like to draw a line between good and evil. Now, please hear me loud and clear here. There is indeed a difference between good and evil. Yes, there is indeed a difference between good and evil. There's a line between good and evil. They cannot mix. Evil is not good and good is not evil. However, to the point, we like to draw lines through all sorts of things to distinguish good and evil according to our desires. For example, we draw a line between countries. Well, we say this country over here is good and this country over here is evil. We like to draw lines between political parties. Well, this party over here is evil and this party, well, this party is good. We draw a line between economic classes. Those making a certain amount of money, well, they are evil. And those making this amount of money, they are good. We draw a line between ethnicities and gender and generations. Classifying certain genders and races and generations as good and others as evil. And after we draw all these lines through all these different categories, we then do this. We show love to the side that is most like us. And we begin to hate those who are on that other side of that line. Yes, we draw that line and those on that other side, well, we start to show them hate. After all, they're obviously evil. Well, this is problematic, Indeed, while this is problematic, the real problem with this kind of thinking is that when we place a line between all these different classifications, we begin to see the other people on the other side of the line as less human. After all, they are supposedly evil. And as we see them as less human, as we have that line, we see them as less human on that side, we then feel justified, we feel right and okay in our hate and their destruction. And so instead of praying for them, praying for others on the other side of the line, we spend our time marinating in hate. Marinating in hate and dreaming of their destruction. We place them, get this outside of God's category of creation, making them into mere animals. We place them outside the grace of Christ, as if Christ's arms did not stretch wide enough for their redemption. This kind of line drawing, my friends, frankly stated, yes, frankly stated, is demonic. You heard that correctly. It is demonic. Now, dear friends, hear this loud and clear again. 
The line separating good and evil does not pass through countries. It does not pass through political parties. It does not pass through economic classes and ethnicities and genders and generations. No, the line passes through every human heart. It passes through this heart and these hearts as well. You see, this does not mean that part of your heart is bad and the other part is good. No, it means that your sinful nature within you is on the opposite side of good, just like everybody else. There's no difference between you and your neighbor with respect to this line. Your country, your politics, your finances, your ethnicity, your gender, and your age do not somehow push you over to the line to the side of good. Paul teaches all of us in the epistle of Romans, that not even one is good. No one is righteous, not even one. We are all together on the side of the line labeled evil. Because of this, this sinful old Adam. This is why we pray for our enemies. This is why we wish them happiness. You see, they are just like us and we like them. We know the evil in our hearts, and we want them to realize the evil in their hearts so that they and us, we might all receive forgiveness, life, and salvation together in the one righteous one, the only good one, Christ. And so when your enemy does something evil, my friends, we repent. Yes, we repent. We repent when your enemy does evil because you know that the evil they have just committed springs forth from a sinful heart, the same sinful heart that you and I have. Yes, we repent when we see evil and we pray for enemies. We cling to the forgiveness of Christ and we cry out when we see evil done, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on my neighbor. Lord, have mercy especially on my enemy. And we confess boldly, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus and set things right in this world that has gone mad. Indeed, we pray that our enemies would be delivered from their deception. We pray that they would be brought to their knees in sorrow. We pray that they would join us in confessing that we are all poor and miserable sinners in thought, word, and deed. For there is plenty of room, my friends, plenty of room before the throne of God for repentant sinners. Never forget, never forget there's always more grace in Christ than there is sin in us and our enemies combined. And so, dear baptized saints, if it is possible, if it is possible, keep peace with everyone around you while constantly praying for your enemies. However, remember that you do not keep peace at all costs. Indeed, there will be times, no doubt about it, there will be times when truth and duty and justice and integrity demand that you defend yourself and defend others. And when this happens, when you defend truth and integrity and duty and justice, stand firm, rest in Christ, and pray for those who attack you. And when you are persecuted for your faith, never forget the victory of Christ that though you were once an enemy of God, Christ Jesus made you his own through his death and resurrection. Get this erasing that line and reconciling you to the Father. Never forget that you have been forgiven for the enemy that lurks within your heart, the old Adam. 
And so you've been delivered from darkness to light, made friends with God through Christ. And so may our prayer be this today. May God grant you and me the humility to see ourselves no better than those around us. May God grant you and me love to serve our neighbor. May God grant you and me a posture of grace to pray and bless those around us, especially our enemies. And may God grant us the grace and the faith to know that Christ has reconciled us to the Father, that he has dealt with this enemy of the heart, forgiven it by his shed blood, claiming us, redeeming us, and forgiving us. God help us. God grant us grace and peace. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thy